like to welcome you to church this morning. Please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together. Just like a tree that grows by the water Let the strong winds blow, I will not Like a child secure in the Father, never letting go, I cling to you. In every situation, no room for fear and doubt, no matter what I'm facing.
Rising to the heavens, rising to your heart, your heart. Our praises filling up the spaces in between our frailty and everything you are. You are the keeper of my heart. And I'm
Holy Father, we bring to you all that we are, knowing that you will provide all that we need. We come to you with our lives, our joys, our sorrows, our successes, our failures, our desire for you, our apathy, our brokenness, our doubt that you can really use us. Fill us with your truth. Show us that it is when we are weak that your strength meets us where we are. May we allow you to use us, and may we know your surpassing grace and compassion as we seek to follow you with all that we are. It's in your most holy name that we pray.
invite our ushers forward as we give back to God through our tithes and offerings.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your power we can live lives of joy and hope and that we don't have to live in fear. We know how often fear eats away at us and controls us. And today we come to declare that because Jesus is risen, because you are the Almighty King, because Jesus is promised to return to us in victory, that we don't have to be overwhelmed and live in fear. Father, today as we gather, we come all kinds of things in our minds, in our hearts. For some of us, this has been a week of great joy and victory, and for others, a week of, of failure and struggle. We thank you that you are with us in all of these moments. We thank you that as we come today, and there are a whole variety of things in our hearts, we bring them to you and you hear us. We pray for all who are grieving today, particularly Joyce Fisher and her family. We pray for all who are struggling with health issues and ask for your healing grace upon each one. For all who are here today with struggles that are financial, we thank you for meeting our needs. As we come today for those who are struggling with relationships, we thank you for restoring what is broken. Thank you for being with us in all of our burdens and in all of our struggles. Father, we thank you for for your grace upon us as this week progresses. As we move into this time of Christian Life Emphasis Week, we ask that you will do above and beyond what we could dream or imagine. May your anointing be upon Reverend Jury as he speaks. Pour out your spirit on him and work through him and give us hearts that are open to you to hear great things and to let you work in us as individuals and the wider community and communities and world. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our church, but we also want to thank you for what you're doing in other churches. And today we pray for uh, the Trinity Church of Nunday, and Pastor Ron Duttweiler. We ask that your grace would be upon them as they worship today. May they know your presence there. And as they go out to serve, may they go in your power and in your spirit. Father, we thank you for the work that you give us, the privilege you give us of being a part of your work in the, in the greater world. And we think today of the, the, the medical dental team that will once again this year, after decades of, of making trips to Haiti, will be going again in January. We ask for your grace on the preparations. Touch the hearts of people who, who should be a part of this trip and the people there in Haiti to whom they will minister. And Father, we thank you for your presence with our brothers and sisters in places of the world where they face great opposition. We think of the church in Egypt today. Thank you for what you're doing there. And we ask that you will continue to bless the church there. And as we think about the Wesleyan churches in Egypt, we pray for uh, uh, Pastor Khalif, who is leading that church. 
We ask that your anointing would be upon him as he leads and preaches and serves. And they've had this opportunity now, a gift of of land and and a grant, a matching grant for raising funds to put up a building that will help them to connect as churches and retreat place and and an office building. Father, we ask that you would work miraculously to bring this about, that they might serve you and bear witness to you in a difficult place. Father, we thank you for your presence with people all over the world who are going through difficult struggles. For places of tragedy and disaster, we thank you for your presence. And we even just think of, of the tragedy this week of the Amish family and the accident up on Tucker Hill Road. We ask for your anointing upon them, your healing power for them. We pray for refugees as they struggle to find a place to call home, a safe place. Provide that for them. And make our hearts continually sensitive to the needs of of people like refugees and people going through tragedies and disasters that our hearts will be full of your compassion. And for places where war is everyday life, bring peace. Father, as we embark on this new academic year, we pray for your grace upon all who are called to teach, all who come to learn, all who lead but all whose task is to provide support to this whole process, to all who are involved. Father, do more in this year than we could dream or imagine. Release your power into our needy lives. Ground us firmly in you and your Holy Spirit and open us to the word and the speaking of your spirit. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. We offer them in the strong and powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning's scripture reading is from John 2, verses 1 through 11. Please stand if you're able for the reading of the gospel. John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants knew who had drawn the water. Or sorry, then the servants knew where I had come. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. He did. Um, I want to just uh, mention to you, you see in the bulletin, this is Christian Life Emphasis Week. 
We're thrilled to welcome uh, David Drury as our speaker this week, and you see that he'll be speaking in chapel the next three mornings, as well as tonight we'll be meeting in the chapel and some other events you see there in the evenings. We hope you'll be a part of this. It's a great time for us to really connect uh, with God in uh, this begin- as we begin this academic year, all of our different institutions. So we hope you're a part of that. Before you're seated, take a moment, share a word of greeting with others here in worship. Uh, introduce yourself. We're especially glad to have all these students back here. Love to see you. good to be with you here. Uh, my name's Dave, and it's uh, great to greet you on behalf of the rest of the church. If you didn't know it, you're a part of a network of churches throughout western New York and then the state of New York, throughout North America, and around the world, literally in 99 countries. You'd think we'd get that last country so that we could say 100, but maybe one of you will do that. Uh, we, I want to greet you on behalf of all that church. I get to work with our church uh, throughout North America and around the world And it's really exciting to see what God is up to. And we hear about you and know about you. And in fact, uh, in large part because of how many people you send out from this church. Many young people uh, throughout North America and the world. So I've met people all over the place that are from here and that have been a part of this church. So thank you for sending and giving your people uh, to go uh, and to reach people around the world and to do many professions. And so I know some of them knew I was here and said, hey, make sure you try to find this person or this building or this place here in little Houghton. So great to be here with you for that reason. I want to talk to you today about two kinds of people. There are two kinds of people. I'm going to start with one, and then later on I'm going to tell you about the other kind of person. Uh, The first kind of person is someone who knows they are exhausted. Anyone here exhausted? Okay, a few people. So I I know this week there was a moment where I was just exhausted. I I had uh, meetings from 7 in the morning all the way until late at night uh, and got home about 10 o'clock. And it was one of those nights where you just, your head hits the pillow and you fall asleep right away. That was good. But I had to get up early for meetings and drive into town in the morning, so I wanted to get a full night's sleep. But I woke up at about 2 a.m. Do you ever have that? And I just could not get back to sleep. And no matter what I did, I couldn't take like a sleeping pill because I had to get up early and drive downtown. I didn't want to be sleeping while I'm driving. And so it was just one of those up and out of bed. And eventually I just gave up and stayed up uh, and never got more than about three, three and a half hours sleep that night. So I'm in the meeting all the next day. And uh, have you ever had those meetings or you're in a class and you're just nodding? And I was doing that. And then the worst experience of all is when you do that and you fall asleep, fully sitting up, and then you wake up, you know, like you do, 
and uh, maybe even a little snort in there. And you look, and everyone's looking at you. And you don't know whether, like, maybe you were literally snoring, and that's where everyone's looking at you. Or, or in this case, I think it was because somebody had mentioned my name and then looked at me, and there I was. So I, 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 I don't know about you, whether you apologize. I faked it. You ever do that? Where you just, I kind of had an idea of what we're talking about, so I just said what I thought about it and just kept moving as though I was meditating deeply on the thoughts of the meeting. Uh, so I actually, at lunchtime, took my box lunch to a, a place on the fourth floor of the building in downtown Indianapolis, and it was a hardwood floor just like this. And I literally laid down on that floor after I ate my lunch and took a nap. Like I had no pillow or anything. I was just laying like, you know, in a coffin and, and just slept for about 20 minutes. And I felt good then the rest of the day. That Just that 20-minute nap was enough to just kind of keep me awake the rest of the meetings. So that's, that's a, a little bit of physical tiredness. And even I said I was exhausted that day. But I want to talk about a deeper exhaustion. You ever had that? You know, I took a nap and felt good the rest of the day. Or you can take, have a good night's sleep and feel good. Or, or you could take a vacation even and sort of get back on your feet and not feel tired. Have you ever had a vacation and you still were just as bad as before the vacation? Have you ever been so exhausted of your resources, of your energy, of your time, of your money, of your relationships, of your calling, that you just felt empty inside? I'm talking about that kind of exhaustion. There are times when we just exhaust all our options. I felt that way in 2002. My wife and I uh, were living in Illinois, and I felt like a failure. And there are times when you fail at one thing, but this is a time in my life when I felt like I was failing at everything. I felt like a failure in my job, for sure. I felt like a failure as a husband, failure as a dad to my one-and-a-half-year-old son, failure in friendships and relationships, it actually got so bad, I, I had an office, and uh, my office was here, and there was a window here, and not many people came by to see me, but when they did, they could just look in the window and see I was there, and I was working, and it would be kind of like, oh, let's talk, and come on in, I'd wave them in, or they'd wave at me. But I was so like, I, I'm just done with this, I felt like I had to go to work, but I'm like, I'm just done, I hate work, I'm going to quit. And so I brought the Lord of the Rings to work, not, this was before the movies, I had the big tome of all three books in one volume. And I literally, there was a partition. And I went behind the partition, right? Because I didn't want anybody to see me. And I took the Lord of the Rings and I literally laid down. You're going to start to think I laid down a lot on wood flips. I laid down on the floor for three days and read the Lord of the Rings. Which, of course, is a fantasy novel. I was trying to escape, Right? I was trying to just get away from my life because I was so exhausted of every resource. Have you ever been at the end of your rope like that? Have you ever felt like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what's next. I don't know how to get out of this. The beautiful thing is Jesus is always ready to lower a rope to those at the end of theirs. When you're at that moment, that's the moment where Jesus is ready to be there for you. And we have this story in John chapter 2 that was just read to us, which clearly shows what happens. So it's an interesting moment, and it's triggered by Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but 
Mothers tend to notice things others don't. Do they not? They have this sixth sense for many, many things. It can be annoying if you're a child that your mom can spot stuff others don't notice. And I know my mom, my mom noticed this when I was growing up, and then my wife does this in our family now. There's just this kind of sense that she knows what's up, and she notices things. And that's what happens at the wedding. Think about the wedding. If you need to, kind of close your eyes and picture the setting. The ceremony's already happened. They're at a party. They're celebrating at the ceremony afterwards. And Mary notices something is up. First of all, she notices how people are trying to get the attention of the waiters and they're not coming to help. She notices how people are trying to get refills and nobody's coming around with pictures. And then she notices there's just no waiters at all in this place. So she goes to the kitchen and opens the door, I imagine, and she finds all of the waiters there. And probably without even asking... Seeing that they're caught in there, they say, there's no more wine. We don't know. Did they run out of money? Did they not plan on people drinking so much? We don't know why, but they've run out, and it's going to be a huge embarrassment. Now Mary, who notices things others miss, goes and finds Jesus. Now it says that Jesus and his disciples were there. It's notable that Jesus has disciples before he has miracles. So the teaching is important. He's got disciples, and they're there. I don't know what they're doing. They're probably all sitting at the same table. They're friends. They spend time together. And Mary walks up. Probably, you know, Peter's telling a fish story, right? And they're laughing, and James and John have already heard it, and Andrew a thousand times before. Maybe they debate over the details of how big the fish was. And Mary comes up and looks Jesus dead cold in the eyes, and he breaks away, and She says to him, they have no more wine. And I just imagine Jesus. The way Jesus responds is, it's not very Christ-like. He he looks at her and says, woman, why do you involve me? I kind of think of him like eating a piece of bread, right? Like Brad Pitt in a movie. And Brad Pitt's always chewing in movies. And he's just, why do you involve me? And she kind of, I don't know, she doesn't really say much. Uh, but I imagine she gave him a look, right? A mom look, like kind of maybe like this. Glasses hadn't been invented yet, but it still worked. She looks at him, and then he says, he kind of smirks, I imagine, and says, my time has not yet come. This is important. There is a time when he's supposed to come. There is a plan that God has I don't know if they have whiteboards in heaven, but they have strategically planned this whole incarnation thing. They knew that there was a certain moment. Have you ever, ever wondered, what is that moment? Because apparently, there's a moment where Jesus is supposed to have his time come. And it's not now. Is it supposed to be in the temple? Is he going to go down to Mount Sinai and do something creative there and reenact what happened there? Is he, I mean, is it going to be symbolic? Is it going to be super public? Is it going to be a way more impressive miracle? Whatever it is, here's the thing. God rolls out his plan ahead of schedule. He says, my time's not come. And this may bake your noodle a little bit here if you think about it. God had a plan and he changes it because of the needs of the people in front of him. That doesn't fit in my categories very well. 
Because he has a plan and he changes his plan for the needs. If you think your needs, your concerns, your level of exhaustion, your problems are not big enough to concern Jesus with them, I'm here to tell you, he will concern himself with them. I mean, this is, this is not a paralyzed person. This is not somebody that had died that needs risen from the dead. This is not somebody that needs blind who needs to see. These are people that ran out of wine. They could go home. It's okay. The party can end. The Messiah did not come to earth in order to make sure people can party another hour. But Jesus rolls ahead his schedule for their needs. So understand, God cares. When you're emotionally like me behind the partition at work, you might not be reading the Lord of the Rings, but you're doing something to escape from whatever it is that you're trying to leave. When you're at that moment... Jesus cares, and he's there to embrace you in that level of exhaustion. So, Jesus decides to get involved. He goes back in there and tells the servants, you need to go and fill up these jars. It actually says that there's six jars, 20, 30 gallons. We've got 120 gallons or so of water. Now understand, these are ceremonial washing things. So people have already been using it to wash their hands and to wash their feet. They've already been kind of cleaned up. So this has nothing at all to do with wine. Nothing at all to do. And in fact, how, how do they fill them? Did they carry these huge stone jars? Did they do a, probably a bucket brigade in order to fill up? It takes a lot of time. So they're thinking, why are we doing this? They do it because Jesus told them, and Mary must have had a lot of sway because she said, whatever this guy tells you to do, do, and they do it. I want to stop there because have you ever had that? Have you ever had that where you're doing something and it seems completely disconnected with the actual problem you think you should be solving? The work you are doing, the studies you are engaged in, your life, your career, your season of life just feels like, is this making a difference? Is this actually going to be fruitful or just work? I'm sure the servants felt that way as they filled up the jars. So my encouragement to you is to do that thing God has convinced you is important to prepare because he is the one who turns it from water to the wine We are the ones that fill the jars. Amen? So, they all fill up these jars. And understand, this is a lot of water. A lot of foot water, you might say, to clean themselves up before this event. And again, it feels disconnected. And Jesus says, serve, and leaves. And they're like, what? 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 And and just imagine what it must have felt like. One of the servants takes a pitcher and dips it into this foot water. And he takes a cup and it pours out dark. And they realize what's happened. They taste it themselves. (laughs) And I imagine maybe the master of ceremonies comes back there and sees that they're, because he's wondering, why are people not getting their refills? And here they are, the servants are drinking the wine because they're just ecstatic. They're the ones that see the miracle. They take it out and they serve it to everyone. And the master of ceremonies notices that this wine is better. Now this is interesting to me because 120 gallons here, just to get, put that in perspective, that's as much water as you could probably fit in about a Ford F-150 pickup truck. 
in the back there. That's a lot of wine. I don't know what Jesus is expecting. This is like enough wine for five weddings, statistics probably tell us. So there's a sense in which this is a ton of quantity for the problem at hand. God provides more than is needed to the one who has exhausted their resources. But he also provides better. Not just more, but better. The Master of Ceremonies tastes it, says, this is, this is weird. Most weddings, they serve the bad stuff at the end. Now, I don't know how many people in Houghton Wesleyan Church are connoisseurs of quality wines. But Jesus knew that this was of higher quality. He wasn't just quantity. So when you think about your exhaustion, the thing that you are running out of, God not only can provide more, he can provide better than you can. And I'll confess, I've actually been in a situation not too dissimilar to this. My, I was doing a wedding in my church in Michigan, and uh, they had, the couple had asked to do communion. So I always want to make sure that everybody in the church is receiving communion, not just the couple. So everybody's, I've already said the words, and people are taking communion. Uh, and I brought the bride and the groom over to a little altar here. You've seen this before. You know you've got the wedding dress you know, laid out in front of everyone, and it looks beautiful. And uh, we've got the groom that's here. And I actually turn around to get the elements that we set aside. You know, there's just some elements here for the bride and the groom. And everybody has taken the elements out there. And I do the little thing, you know, the little, like, brass communion sets. And I take them, and I kind of go, ching, you know, I take them off. It makes a little ding sound. And I take them off, and it's empty. There's nothing there. So we had set up the communion for everyone out there, but someone had forgotten, and I didn't double-check to make sure that I had some elements for them. So I'm like, what do I do? You know, it's a wedding. You know, you don't want to, like, disrupt everything that's going on, and it's got to go, 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 and there's something coming up next, and they got to light the unity candle and all this stuff. You know, you don't want to make the mother of the bride mad. Trust me. So I made a split-second decision, and I turned around, and I told them, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we screwed up, and there's no elements for you. So we're going to fake it. Uh, so just kind of act like you're eating a little bread, and take the cup, and just kind of... And, uh, and then we'll turn around, and then, then later on, yes, I just confessed to you that I just defamed the Lord's Supper at one point in my career. I said, don't worry, later on we're going to take pictures here of you, and during that time I'll have a nice private time, and I'll serve you... Communion, I'll get some later, but then we won't interrupt the flow of the service. Wouldn't it have been great if when I saw that we had run out, we exhausted the resources for them, that I could just go, and have the, the bread and the cup full for this couple. That would be a little tiny miracle. In a way, this is a little tiny miracle that Jesus does. He performs a tiny miracle that actually doesn't matter that much. It's not the end of the world to run out of wine. And here's the thing. There are two kinds of people I told you at the beginning, didn't I? I said there's the kind of person that knows they've exhausted their resources. The second kind of person doesn't know. And that's most of us. If you heard me say and describe my situation... And you thought, oh, I'm not there, Dave. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not that level of exhaustion. I'm doing okay. 
And this message is probably good for the two or three people here that I know have some real problems in their life. Right? You have that? Or maybe I could put this away in my filing cabinet of 5,000 sermons I'm going to hear in my life. And at some point when I'm really at that bad spot, and, and especially if I'm leading Lord of the Rings behind a partition in an office, I will say, God, okay, I'm exhausted. What I'm telling you is everyone is one phone call from a doctor away. One 911 call, one accident, one incident, one thing with your child, one paycheck, one job, one relationship, one secret being discovered away from exhaustion. Every single one of us in this room does not have the resources that you need. Even the breath you breathe out right now, You depend upon God in ways you and I do not know for the breath to enter. And if we were to stop and contemplate, we would realize the sovereignty of our living God to provide for you in every way. Not only that, but to prevent from you. Perhaps there are literal miracles that happened even on your way in today. For those of you that are not close to God or maybe even are not even a follower of Christ, there are things God is doing even for you before he's in relationship with you to prevent you by his grace from coming to harm, to prepare the way for you that you would hear the words you're hearing right now. That is the power of our God to do those miracles. And the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is, What's this response? The response for each of us. If you know you're exhausted, most of this you already were hearing. But for most of us here, who we don't even really know our level of exhaustion. We don't even know how much we are close to our ruin. Is to pause and notice the immense grace of God to provide for us in every moment. And also submit to his sovereignty. To say, God, you have your way with me. Please provide so that I would not be lost, that I would not face ruin. The other beautiful thing about this is you see how the master ceremonies didn't notice what happened. The primary character, the one who announces to the wedding how great the wine is, certainly the one after the wedding that says, what are we going to do with this extra 80 gallons of wine? <laughs> right? That's for some reason in our foot washing bins. That guy doesn't even know a miracle happened. Right? That's the sovereignty of God. He doesn't even know. Who knows? The servants. The servants are the ones that saw the water turn as they poured. The servants are the ones that get to go spread the word of this story so that we even know about it now. The servants are the ones that say, you won't believe what happened. So for all of you who behind the scenes are carrying buckets of water, I don't know what your buckets of water are, I don't know what hard thing you're doing that doesn't seem to add up to results, but understand that you're the one that gets to see the miracle. You're the one that gets to see it all add up to Jesus doing a miracle in lives. I know one of the times I saw that was a couple that I knew, had friendship with, whose marriage was in tatters. She had not kissed him for years, refused to. He was already living with another woman. 
this marriage was done. And after he and I went to a concert, he confessed all this. He ended up that night coming to my house and deciding he couldn't go back to his wife, but he felt under conviction about what he was doing with this other woman. And I'm not a counselor. I don't know how to deal with a crisis like that. So we just started to pray together. And his wife, who thought it was all over too, was getting ready to file for divorce, already contacted a lawyer. They were at least willing to pray together. And yeah, the prayers for a while were just angry prayers, accusatory prayers, change him, change her prayers, right? And then God did water to wine. And he changed that. And yeah, they're now together. They've been together for years because God did a little miniature miracle. I dare say it's a harder miracle. Is it not? Those of you that have seen that, than water to wine? Because there are the wills of these people involved. God did that little miracle. And nobody got to see it. I tell you what, the people on Facebook, the Facebook friends, never had any clue any of this was going on. The pictures all still looked great. The posts all still seemed normal. But God was doing something there and performing a miracle. And I'm telling you, for those that are carrying water, for whatever it is that you're doing, God can turn that into a miracle. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing in a moment, and I want to pray for you. I want you to converse with God now. If you haven't yet, it's time to start. Talk to the Spirit in this moment. And if you're truly exhausted and you've known it, now is the time to reach out and grab onto that rope he's lowered to you. And for the rest of us who are not really fully aware of how little we are in control, right now converse with God. Talk to God about surrendering all to him and giving him credit for the sovereignty, for the great power and control he has over our lives. Thank him. Be grateful. And be trusting. We love you, Lord. Thank you for providing for us. We trust you, God. We trust you to take our efforts and to turn them from water to wine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can remain standing so we can sing together.
Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.